Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I'm joined as I am every week, this time running the board, Mr. Shane Reeves. It's a different experience over here. How do you get anything done with all this stuff in the way? There's buttons and switches. (laughs) Watching you hook everything up this afternoon was like watching a monkey work a math problem. It was wonderful. Yeah, it's a it's a different experience and all to to kind of cross train. So if anyone ever wonders why it sounds like I trail off in the middle of a uh, thought in the middle of the episode, it's usually because I'm also running sound at the same time and trying to do about 14 things at once. This week we're changing things up a little bit. Shane wanted to get his elbows dirty a little bit with the technical aspect of the show, so he's running the board. I think I'm going to have to reinvest in a recorder of a bigger digital display. Yeah, my eyes are a little uh, younger and healthier than yours yeah, are, I think. Yeah, you got sharp eyes that you can see that and all, but it will be interesting because I usually can feel when it's time for the break. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. But first, the most important thing, let's light our cigars. All right. I'm going to go first because I am excited. You made my day today. I was not expecting this at all. Uh this is the Romeo San Andreas. I was actually at Casa Monte Cristo yesterday after work and went in there specifically looking for this cigar, and I couldn't find it. And you told me before the show that they just put it in a weird spot. They didn't put it with... Yeah, they've not got it with the other Romeos. They got it over in this odd section of the store. And if you don't ask somebody, hey, where's the Romeo San Andreas? Which to me seems like poor marketing. Yeah, especially because they've got the 505 Nicaragua and the Añejo sitting right there side by side. You know, this being the third installment of the sort of Romeo subgroup of their line, I would have expected it all to be together. I mean, I get it. It's kind of a new release. They're kind of feeling pretty special about it. But so I was all bummed out yesterday. I thought they were sold out. So I'm really excited to get to smoke this today. Well, I've had several. I really enjoy that smoke. Um, of course, the San Andreas wrapper, it's hard to go wrong. Wow, you have a little wrapper damage? The cap, just to begin with, is kind of flaking off to begin with, but I'm going to cut it off anyway, so it's not a big deal. Well, you know, and that's these are fairly new cigars in production, mm-hmm. so they may you may have that. I've noticed sometimes with newer cigars the production of them, especially if they were trying to get a release out, you may get a few more structural defects. But as long as the draw is good, it's yeah. hard to complain. And and the cold draw is, is perfect on this. I love the toothiness of the San Andreas wrapper. And I, I cannot believe that this cigar is only nine fifty five. I mean it, it's it's a dollar and a half cheaper than the five oh five Nicaragua. And and the Añejo as well, I think, is right up around the same price point as the Nicaragua. Uh, but for a 6x54, which is a pretty good-sized cigar, that's a great price point. It is. And the, um, the Torpedo, I almost picked one up just to see if there was any difference. Because all I've smoked in it are the Churchill size. But it's kind of, you know, it's hard when you got something you really like to venture out. Yeah, I understand that. What are you smoking tonight? So I'm going to smoke the Padron 9000 series. This is just a solid cigar. If you want a cigar that every time you reach and pick it up, it's an $11.99 price point here. Um, it's always going to be right around that range, mm-hmm. within a couple of bucks either direction of that range. And just a, a sound smoke. It's Nicaraguan Puro. 
It's the low end of the Padron line, and it's still as good as any cigar in the $16 range. See, the 4000 is a go-to smoke for me, and it's the same blend. It's just a different size. And every Friday when I get off work, I leave work and I drive down to a meeting, and and between that time, I pick up a Padron 4000 every single Friday. And a lot of times during the week, that'll be a go-to smoke for me because it's right around 11 bucks after tax. You know what you're getting every time, and the it's just a phenomenal smoke. Well, this is a six by sixty. It's a or well, probably six by fifty-four. 56, I think. 56. Well, I was I was off by two sixtieths of an inch. But just a good size. It's a semi-box press, but not really what I would call a box press. It just has a good feel. The wrapper, wrapper is very toothy. Um, a lot of oil in this cigar. Just a great go-to cigar to enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. You cannot... Oh, God, that's good. He just got his first puff of the San Andreas. <laughs> I am so excited. It's hard to beat San Andreas wrappers. It really is. There's something about this. I, I don't know if it's the soil or if it's the leaf or, or what it is, but but I always really enjoy a San Andreas wrapper, and it's, it's hard to find. You don't find just a whole lot of cigars with a San Andreas wrapper on them. Um, but the, the rest of the cigar it has a great pedigree as well. It's Nicaraguan binder. Nicaraguan Dominican filler so it's you know and, and out of the AJ Fernandez factory so you know, like I said that first puff just blew me away well and it kind of it's interesting because that kind of leads us into our first story tonight we want to talk about is CAO General Cigar they've added a Mexico inspired Zocalo you know we're going to have to start going to different sources for our news stories and this is the first one I had pulled up to talk about as well yeah, the Zocalo is CAO's first Mexican-inspired release, and it has a um, a San Andreas wrapper. It has a Cameroon binder, and the fillers are from Nicaragua. And I know you're a big fan of Cameroon. Cameroon, I am. Now, it's it's a little sweet, and depending on the blend of the cigar that it's used in, that can usually complement some spiciness, especially with the San Andreas wrapper, you're going to get a little bit of spice to it. So those are going to play, I, I expect and anticipate them playing very, very well together. I do have to say, I'm a little disappointed that it's only going to come in a 6x60. We say that's right up my wheelhouse. No, I so know it is. I'm not, that doesn't bother me in the least. But the, and if you hear a change in quality, it's because I'm using a different mic stand and I'm trying to be sure I smoke and talk at the same angle. But um, it's, they're actually setting it up for a release for Cinco de Mayo. And I think Cinco de Mayo isn't one of those, it's like St. Patrick's Day. It's just a great holiday, a gratuitous holiday. Yeah, it is, especially in the U.S. Most people think it's Mexican Independence Day, but it's not. And it's pretty much just an excuse to get drunk. It pretty much sorority girl drunk. <laughs> well, yeah, next level drunk on Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, it's kind of kind of light. Now the other story I had that I'm sure you have. Well, before you move on, the other thing about the Zocalo is that it's Zocalo. I guess it would be um, is eight forty nine a stick. That's for a six by sixty with that much difference going on in the blend. That sounds pretty good to me. I wonder if the Mexican San Andreas wrapper, I'm starting to see a Mex- Mexican San Andreas. That is the great name of a wrapper. But <laughs> the San Andreas wrapper, 
I'm wondering if it's a little cheaper because they're trying to establish a cigar industry in Mexico. It could be. I wonder, because, you know, so many times in Mexico what happens is somebody starts making some money to do something and then everybody does it. Yeah. It's not like they have a rigid trade and copyright law process there. So it's probably, it's interesting that we're seeing so much more San Andreas coming out now. Yeah, it is. But I wonder, I'm, I don't know how much of it is, is setting up the, the industry or, or if it's just a matter of that it, the production down there is a little bit cheaper than it is other places. Well, and also, they're, you know, it's a good rapper. It's a popular rapper. It's like when everything went Nicaraguan. Now everything's starting to try to do something yeah. Mexican. It's you got to go somewhere. Yeah. So Crown Heads has also announced the This is An- also on my list, yes. The Angel's Anvil 2018. Have you ever had one of the Angel's Anvils? I have not. I haven't either. Because I can never, because it's a TAA exclusive. And so I've never been able to get my hands on one. I've, I've never had one. They say it's a Connecticut. It's got an Ecuador, Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper over Nicaraguan binder and fillers. But I don't know. I, I don't know for sure. They say it's going to be a light cigar. But it typically is. You know, the people I know, this is their fifth year doing it. The people I know who have smoked all of them to this point. You know, you've got to remember also that Crown Heads tends to be a lighter cigar up until recently. You know, it's been within the last five years that they've come out with the Waltz and the Yellow Rose and the Jericho Hill and the Las Calaveras that have kind of punched up their their strength. But oh, that sounds so much better. <laughs> yeah, it's commercial. They they paused it. Uh, the uh, so they've always been kind of on the lighter side. So everyone I know that, like myself, are huge Crown Heads fans really do love the Angel's Anvil. So I'm, I'm hoping that I can sweet talk Austin into finding one for me this year. Should be able to arrange something. If there's a dedicated listener out there that happens to go to a TAA store, feel free to let us know. We'll be happy to broker a deal. <laughs> One of the great joys in life is the art of the deal. Especially, say you're a listener outside of the state of Tennessee that's always wanted a Tennessee waltz, and you happen to have access to an Angel's Anvil. We can work something out. I think we could make that trade happen. I think that's a that's a reachable goal. That's Instagram and Twitter at the Cigar Cast, Facebook.com slash the Cigar Cast. Do you want to give your personal email address? I thought as about well? it. <laughs> <laughs> but. So let's let's talk about something in the the cigar shop in general. We both started talking about this before the show, and then we said, "Wait, let's save it for the pod." Which is amazing how many of our conversations end with that now. It's it's become kind of a, a punchline for us, I think. Yeah. Oh, 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 don't tell me that now. I don't want to know. I want an honest reaction. Mm-hmm. And I'll, what do you think about televisions in the cigar shop? Well, so let's give a little backstory here. There's. You know, last week on the show, we came into the show and we talked about what a great atmosphere it was in the shop because it was so electric, it was buzzing, there was a bunch of people here. It was kind of loud, but in a good way. Today, we had a similar experience where we walk in and we get ready to record and it is so loud, but it's not a good experience because the TV was turned up to about 743 decibels. Yeah, And so we kind of got talking about, you know, I'm a big fan of a shop that doesn't have a TV at all. In fact, when I used to work here and I would start and I would open the shop, 
I would leave all the TVs off until someone came in who wanted specifically to watch them. Some days it would make it all the way until the end of my shift at five o'clock before anyone would turn a TV on. And I loved those days. The cigar shop environment and the act of smoking a cigar is one of those things that encourages conversation and encourages the exchange of ideals. Now, that being said, if there's a particularly big game on or something like that that you want to watch, then yeah, you know, and you want to go to the shop and be part of an environment like a Super Bowl party or something like that. I'm not saying don't have a TV in a shop, but when I go to a cigar shop, I'm not going there to watch TV. You know, that yeah, if you if you need to watch it at the volume of 47 because you're clinically deaf, go home. Yeah, I you know, it kind of goes back to the whole thing. One of our early 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 cigar etiquette tips of the week back when we used to do that during the break was about controlling your smoke, right? The whole idea of making sure that I'm not blowing smoke in your face the whole time I'm sitting there talking to you and smoking. And really what that comes down to is making sure that your enjoyment of the cigar is not affecting someone else's experience. And if you're going to have to turn the TV up that loud to be able to hear it, then you're affecting the enjoyment of every other person in that shop's ability to enjoy their cigar. Yeah, it's intrusive. And now, I would love a world where there weren't TVs in cigar shops. I'd love it. But I know from a fiscal standpoint... If you don't offer the game, you're going to lose customers. Right. There are guys, you know, and now the exception being golf. There's no reason to turn golf up. <laughs> and we come in here all the time, and there's a whole group of people that watch golf, and they can you know, the Masters was last week, and they're catching that. And I can deal with golf. I can deal with soccer. Mm-hmm. You know, the World Cup is this year. I'm looking forward to the World Cup now. I, I was talking about that last night, about looking forward to coming into the shop and, and being able to watch a game. Well, and I think that's part of it for me is it's like, okay, USA plays at 11 o'clock on Wednesday. How can I change my schedule so that I'm at the cigar shop at 11 o'clock right. on Wednesday? <laughs> it's funny. The shop I used to go to in Atlanta had a lot of that. Uh, a lot of people that worked near enough by and big, you know, Team USA supporters to the point that, you know, I was kind of free during the day, so I'd end up, and we'd have a whole bunch of people that showed up to watch the games in the middle of the day. It was awesome. And, okay, don't be that guy. Don't be the guy that walks in during the World Cup. It happens once every four years, and, oh, you're watching soccer. Don't be that guy. Come on. You know, don't ever be that guy. Yeah. The, the one who has to castigate other people's interests. Yeah, the one that just because it's not football or baseball, it's all of a sudden lesser of a sport. Right. I mean, I was actually having a conversation last night about cricket. I love watching cricket. Now, the rule book is 64 pages long. No, 640 pages long. No one who plays it even fully understands the game, and the games last for days sometimes. It's a weird sport, but I love watching it on TV. But you try and talk to people about it, and it's just, it, it's completely out, so far outside of some people's wheelhouse that they, the eyes just glaze over and can't even comprehend it. My favorite outlier sport, sumo wrestling. They used to show it every Sunday night on ESPN. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, I haven't either, but they, but they have the pageantry. It's the Emperor's Cup, and they'll have all the, you know, the people in the full dress and the sumo wrestlers, you know, 
the tradition is the law. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a Conor McGregor of sumo wrestling. Right. Though I'd love to see Conor McGregor trapped under a sumo wrestler. <laughs> There's no such thing as a Conor McGregor of sumo wrestling. Everybody there, it's very rigid. I think that reflects in the Japanese culture. Well, it's all—it's kind of like golf, right? It's a gentleman's sport. It's a—it's a very highly revered sport. You know, there's a lot of honor in it. Something you don't get with football or with baseball. Yeah, it's it's the Bud Light commercial of the guy heckling the Knights. Right. <laughs> you know, everybody. I'm sure everybody out there's seen that by now because they play that at every sporting event that they sponsor. But it, it's the same thing. There's and. Okay, what kind of a human being are you if the only way you can enjoy a sport is by yelling obscenities and degrading the people participating? I don't know. There's something fun about heckling. I mean, not to the point of obscenities, because if you're in an environment like that, there's usually people that you'd probably want to try not to offend, especially if there's kids around, things like that. But there's there's truly an art form to heckling. And I think hockey fans do it the best. Probably. Probably hockey, hockey fans tend to have it. But, you know, it's, it's a violent sport by nature. Mm-hmm. And I think that lends the fans to, okay, they feel like they're kind of teetering on the edge of violence. It's like when everybody carries a gun, you have a very polite society. Right. I think it's the same principle in hockey. I think they know how far they can push it. I think you're right. Although, speaking of violence in sports, did you see the... Uh, Yankees Tigers game, or, or at least highlights from it a couple of days ago. I did not. I know we're kind of time stamping the episode a little bit, but it was so funny. There were four bench clearing brawls in one game. One of the the Detroit pitchers hits one of the Yankees, and so the next inning, one of the Yankees pitchers throws directly at the the Detroit batter. So of course the pitcher gets ejected. That creates a fight. The next time up, uh, or a couple innings later, one of the Detroit players throws it at, at a Yankee, and now he charges the mound. There's another fight. And then the, then the next time up, the Yankee pitcher throws it and actually tags the guy in the head. This is like old school, like 60s and 50s baseball. It was, I mean, I don't advocate throwing 90-mile-an-hour fastballs at people's heads. That's... There, there's, you know, that's not what the sport's about. But it was just, I haven't seen raw emotion in baseball like that in a very long time. I'll say this. Baseball has realized that they're losing audience. And they're starting to try to figure out, okay, how do we recapture that passion? You know, because we always talk about what makes a good cigar company. It's the passion of the man that owns it. Yeah. And I think baseball, especially after the strike, went through a phase where they had lost their passion. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of hard to get really energetic and emotional and passionate about a sport where you just kind of stand out in the middle of a field for 20 minutes at a time while the rest of the team does some work. Yeah, it's a a little different there. So, okay, tonight, I've got to say something nice about Cigar Aficionado. It's rare, but I'm interested. <laughs> the, the, the world. So Cigar Aficionado, if you go to their website, they have a segment of their website called Cigars 101. Oh. And I was punching around and browsing around today, just looking for things to talk about on the show. So I punched that. I thought, Aficionado Cigars 101, this is not going to be. So they said the 10 things every cigar smoker should know. And I really liked it, because the first thing they said was cigars are natural and artisanal. 
kind of bringing to light what we always talk about, that this is a handcrafted, you know, work of art, that 200 pairs of hands touch each cigar. They emphasize the importance of knowing the anatomy of your cigar. I like that. Of knowing the difference in the wrapper, binder, and filler. And I'll say, I'd like to say about that, once you figure out what that recipe is that suits your palate, it makes your cigar journey so much easier. And harder at the same time. You know, because if, you know, I'm, I'm the monogamous cigar smoker, right? I, I've gotten a little more adventurous in the last year or so, but for the most part, you know, I know what I like and I stick to those four or five cigars. But there's something really fun about hearing about an interesting blend because I know I like Cameroon. I know I like Criollo. I know I like Corojo. I know, you know, and so when I start hearing those words, it gets me interested. Connecticut Broadleaf is one of those that I will jump on. So, yes, it kind of, it helps you have less bad experiences because you know you're going into something that you're probably going to like. But at the same time, it opens your world to so many choices. And that comes down to knowing the that anatomy so that you can actually figure out that recipe. And, you know, here's also a tip. Here's something I tell people. I tell people this when we draw house plans. You walking into my office and telling me what you don't want does no good whatsoever. Yeah. I'll hurl them out of my office like a lawn dart if all they can do is come in and tell me what they don't want. Come in and tell me what you do want. Mm-hmm. So... When you're approaching the perspective of, okay, what's my palate? Don't approach it from the perspective of, oh, I don't like Cameroon. Ooh, Sumatra. I don't approach it from that perspective. Approach the perspective of, okay, my favorite rapper is, and my favorite region is, and my, you know, approach it from a more positive angle, and it will increase your overall cigar experience. Or at the very least, if you are going to say, you know, I had a Cameroon for the first time the other day, and it really didn't quite suit my palate. You know, the, you know, it's a, it's a little more positive spin as opposed to just you, Candela. Why is it green? Yeah, it's it's perspective. Perspective in life is very important. You know, the other thing they talked about cutting and lighting. They talked about a slow smoke. Uh, the, most people make the mistake of their cigar of puffing too often. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a hot light. Now, sometimes there's certain cigars I like to smoke a little hot. But starting out, the average Joe needs to smoke a little slower, take a little more time, enjoy it. If you don't finish the whole cigar, it's not a big deal. Right. And I I was actually smoking, uh, met up with a friend of mine yesterday, and one of his friends ended up joining us, and who I'd never met before. And I'm guessing he's a cigar guy, but, but not to the level that maybe I am and some others are. And it was really interesting to see that he actually had the opposite problem of, of not smoking fast enough and his cigar kept going out on him. But what was interesting I found is I was letting him use my lighter, which is the soft flame Cleaver Julius, and he wasn't ever puffing on the cigar or drawing in with the flame. He was just sitting there and letting the flame, which I guess if you're used to using jets kind of makes sense. I've heard of people just sitting there until it ignites itself, but it was so funny and I just wanted to be like, if you'll draw through the cigar while you're lighting it, you'll probably have better luck. But yeah, didn't oh. know the guy well enough to start freely offering advice when it was maybe not wanted. I won't have to refill my lighter in the middle of this cigar if you'll just go ahead and take a draw or two. Oh, you want to talk about that whole 11 second or 10 second thing? My goodness. This, <laughs> luckily, it's not a Prometheus because he had that thing 
going for 45 seconds at a time. Yeah, if your hand starts getting hot yeah. and your lighter is hot to the touch, you spent too much time lighting. Yeah, exactly. But if you have a chance, go to, go to Cigar Aficionado's website. Click on the 10 things every cigar smoker needs to know. I read the whole article. I was really interested by it. I thought it was just a, a very well-written, very well-informed article. I, I fully give Cigar Aficionado credit for what was a great article. Speaking of giving Cigar Aficionado credit, there was one of the things that, that I've been using a little bit lately as I've been traveling around and stuff is there are also the people that do the Where to Smoke app. Have you ever used this? I've never used it. I use the Drew Diplomat app for that. So... The Cigar Aficionado, it's called Where to Smoke. I know it's on the the Apple App Store. I don't know if it's on Android, but I'm sure it is. And it's fantastic. I have found some really great shops across the country from using that app wherever I am. It uses GPS on your phone, and it organizes them by how close they are. You can read a little bit of a review about it. If you're ever if you're someone who travels a lot and you're not familiar with the shops in a given area or maybe you're on a different side of town from normal or something like that, highly encourage you download that app. It's a small app, it doesn't take a lot of room on your phone and I've gotten some serious mileage out of it and it's free. Well, we have some great tools. Technology has provided us with some amazing tools. You know, I use the Diplomat app, but the drawback of the Diplomat app is the only way to sort it is by Drew Diplomat dealers. Yeah. So you may miss a good cigar shop that's not a Diplomat dealer because you because if you don't sort it by Diplomat dealers, they give you ever 7-Eleven that sells the machine mates. Right, exactly. So um, I'm interested. I'll have to try the Where to Smoke app. Yeah. I'm going on a trip soon. I'll try that. Yeah, because like Reserva Cigars over by my house is not a Diplomat account, but it's a great shop. So it's one that you would probably miss otherwise. Yeah, so that's, that's a great one. So we're going to step away for a break, and we're going to do the cigar under $8. When we come back, I have important questions to ask you. I have a terribly important question to ask you. You always do. We'll be back. Shane here with your cigar under $8. This week, I want to talk about a golden oldie, the CAO La Traviata. Man, I have not had one of those in a dog's age. Great cigar. Underrated. Absolutely. There's a lot of little flavor in that little thing. Well, it's a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper over Dominican and Nicaraguan binders and fillers. So it's got a lot of different flavors going. The shapes, it comes in a double Corona, a Robusto, and a Toro, which you kind of know what those shapes are going to be. Um, this has been a this was a go-to smoke for me before General bought CAO. Oh, really? So that's going back a little ways. Yeah, and now you see them, and I won't pass them too often. I'm going to have to stop and pick one up. At under $8, it's hard not to. The MSRP on those is about 6 bucks a stick. Oh, that's hard to beat. Yeah, they're not bad at all. I mean, uh, you can pick up a box of 24 most places for less than 100 bucks. It's a little on the lighter side. It is. It On the the comments that I'm looking at, they're calling it a medium full, but I would say it's more medium than full. Yeah, absolutely. But still a good cigar has a great smell to it. Seems like when you're smoking that cigar, people around you know you're smoking a cigar. Gives a little more flavor. So this week's Cigar Under $8, the CAO La Traviata Madura. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. One of your hosts, Shane Reeves, sitting across from the ordinary man who smokes extraordinary cigars, Trey Dedman. 
How's it going? <laughs> Sorry, I got I got really distracted for a second. Oh, okay. Somebody walked by the window. Someone really interesting just pulled up. Had something shiny. Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen them get out of their car yet. I'll have to see who it is. <laughs> That's exciting to know. Sorry. Yes. Welcome back, everybody. Hey. <laughs> well, okay, let me start over. The extraordinary, the ordinary man that smokes extraordinary cigars. <laughs> That's probably better. <laughs> you, you can tell when my break intros get a little weak, I start taking old wrestling lines. Yeah. And recycling them to talk about you <laughs> and all that. So, so, the, so on that note, do you want to talk about WrestleMania? Um, yes, I can talk about it some. I, you've, been, you've been really good lately. You know, you haven't brought it up yet, but I know that WrestleMania is a big weekend for you, so I was, I was figuring you probably had s- some comments. So there was 10 of us on the porch, smoking cigars, eating brisket, having a great time watching WrestleMania. Uh, the police did show up at one time, which it's not a party till the police show up. I've heard that. But the police did show up, but it wasn't nothing major, just somebody was parked on the street incorrectly, and obviously Spring Hill has nothing better to do. Then police a subdivision? Yes. So we had to move a truck during the main event. So the big things to come out of WrestleMania was Ronda Rousey's debut. Oh, I hadn't even heard about that. I'm not a fan. I'll I'll just go ahead and say that from the get-go. I'm not a fan of Ronda Rousey in the WWE. I'm not a fan of any MMA fighter going to wrestling. One thing I did hear about yesterday, someone was saying that Brock is looking old and tired. Oh, his conditioning's terrible, man. But 30 seconds into the match, he's sucking wind so bad, people in the first three rows are passing out from oxygen deprivation. (laughs) He turns red. His legs, it looks like he skips leg day every week. It looks like he's riding a chicken around the ring. So it's just absolutely... but. Here's the problem. MMA and wrestling are so different. Yeah. In one you create and in one you destroy. It's easier to destroy than it is to create. It's easier to be an MMA fighter and go in there trying to kill your opponent than it is to be a wrestler and try to create the illusion of violence. And the drama and the pomp and circumstance. Telling the story and making making it worthwhile. So, um, you know, Rousey, she did okay for her first match. She, um, they wrestled everything at half speed because she's so green. Yeah. The thing that makes me mad is because she's a celebrity, she got a spot at WrestleMania that could have been, you know, somebody that's wrestled in the bingo halls and worked their way up from nothing to where they are today. She took one of their spots. Yeah, and especially because, you know, I don't follow wrestling, I don't watch wrestling, but... All, all I've been hearing lately is people talk about how much better female wrestling has become lately and how it's finally ma- getting a spot of prominence and, and it's starting to be looked at a little bit more legitimately. So it's kind of a shame to see it maybe take a half step backwards. Well, they, so the women's revolution is something Stephanie McMahon, Vince's daughter, has put into place, and she's done a really good job with it. I will give full credit where credit is due. One of the better matches on the card was Asuka versus Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair won the upset, which was a great match. I mean, just lots of good matches. AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura tore the house down, which we all knew they would. The main event was lackluster with Brock Lesnar, but we knew that too. So you're kind of expecting it. I'm torn. I've been excited about the Andre the Giant documentary coming out, mm-hmm. but every preview I see of it, it looks so depressing. Well, that... That may be kind of the point. 
I can assure you, if I make a documentary about a subject, I'm going to celebrate that subject. I'm sick of documentaries where they make them and it looks so depressing. It just doesn't look exciting. It doesn't look like it's something you want. I want a documentary. You know, I watched Icarus last week and it was so depressing. And so many of these documentaries that get critically acclaimed are critic. What are these critics doing? Sitting in their basement, thumbing a revolver with the barrel in their mouth? <laughs> trying to find the one piece of work that'll put them over the edge? Come right. on, let's, let's show some joy. At least the Snoop Dogg documentary had joy in it. Well, speaking of joy, uh, I want to talk about something that I saw this week. It's a review of the new Calibri Daytona. Have you seen this lighter that they just released? I have not. You know I'm a fanboy for Calibri, and I love all things accessories anyway. This thing is gorgeous. It's uh, it's a um, single jet lighter, which I'm not usually a, a huge fan of, but the the one that I've been seeing everywhere on the marketing materials and everything is that Lamborghini green, that sort of lime neon green. Uh, and it's based, or at least it looks very, very similar to the ST DuPont Maxi Jet. So it's just, it looks really, really, um, or the ST DuPont um, Extreme, sorry. And it's going to retail around 59 bucks. So, I mean, that's pretty incredible. That is. That's pretty impressive. And actually, Austin just got some new accessories in here at the shop. Oh, man. That's really cool. Branded with his logo on it. Yes. And let me tell you, I want to congratulate Calibri because that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Offering branded branded accessories for individual shops, that's just a great move marketing-wise. And it can't be expensive to do. No, absolutely not. Got to be super cheap, but that's I mean, and that may help somebody buy a few more extra. And I mean, I know I've got an SV cut, and I've seen them. I thought well, I ought to get one of the SV cuts with his name on it, just because it supports the shop. Yeah, absolutely. So I really approve of that. The other thing I approve of, approve of. So Southern Draw has announced announced their Ignite cigar series. I saw that. So it's a cigar series. The first one's going to be a Jacob's Ladder Lancero, which the Jacob's Ladder I smoked last week mm-hmm. on the show. And they're go- it's going to be to benefit charities. Oh, really? Yeah, it's going to be to benefit um, Warriors. Cigars for Warriors is going to be the recipient of some of it. Uh, veterans Affairs. It's all about, in Southern Draw, if you know the company, they're big into veterans causes. Oh, yeah. And all the other thing, and I got to get my hands on one of these. They're producing five thousand custom ten count jars with the slogan "Ignite Some Good" on them. I like that. One black and one white, and I'm gonna have to get my hand on that because I wonder if aging a cigar in a ceramic jar would affect the flavor differently than aging it in a cedar humidor. You know, that's a really good question. I mean, really, it all comes down to humidification, right? But some of the aging, depending on how close you keep it to other cigars, can be a little bit of that bleed over, especially if you've aged your cigars in the, in the same spot on a shelf, just laying there raw on a shelf as something that's been there before. They're going to pick some of that flavor out of the cedar. But I'd imagine just for the purposes of, of the blend maturing, you know, kind of like chili leftovers in the fridge, I'd imagine that ceramic would still be a, a fine... Uh, vessel for aging. Well, it's interesting because my uncle makes homemade wine. 
and if he gets a batch of homemade wine that for whatever reason does not make correctly, he'll actually pour it in an old crock, a ceramic crock, yeah. and age it again, and it'll change the flavor of that wine. So that's what makes me wonder if the ceramic in these might make a difference. It very well may. It's an interesting thought. So I have an important question for you. Okay. Would you second me in a duel? Would I second you? Yeah, let's let's say that we're in the 1800s and Tom behind the bar insulted me and I took my white glove off, smacked him across the face and challenged him to a duel at dawn. You know, cutlasses, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got to think, the guy, when they did that, the guy that's second, his job was to arrange the time and do the semantics, being sure everybody's there, being sure the swords are sharp, being sure all that. Rules are adhered to. Rules. And then if the other second stepped in, he had to step in. (laughs) So if I asked you to second me in a duel, would you second me in a duel? I would absolutely second you in a duel. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. Okay, let's say that Tom's brother was a really good swordsman, kind of better than me and you both, and he was going to second Tom. Would you still do it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just curious because you always thought that kind of had to be. It's kind of like being called asked to be a best man. <laughs> I think it's better. Well, if you're asked to be a best man, okay, now you got to set up the bachelor party. You got to be sure the groom's sober when you get him there. You got to get a tux that somewhat matches. I firmly believe you all dress the same. What was the comedian that said you all dress the same so that if the groom runs off, they just move to the next guy in line? Uh, Seinfeld, I think that was. Yes. Surely, so. surely pretty good men. You're marrying the best man. Surely he should be. <laughs> but I often wondered if, if being asked to second someone in a duel, if, if, if there was ever a time where you, how do you turn that down? How do you politely turn that down? I don't think there's a way to politely do it other than, no, dude, you're on your own. But... <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize that that was a job. So, whose second is response? Do they? Is it like lawyers in a divorce, where the two seconds get together and they arrange everything? Yeah, the se- the two seconds meet. So the challenger, if I smacked Tom across the face and said, "I challenge you, sir. You have insulted my honor, the honor of my family," and he said, "Fine," he gets to pick the weapon. So that's one thing you have to coordinate is the weapon. All right. And then you have to coordinate the time. Is it going to be at dawn? Is it going to be 9.30-ish after a nice brunch? Is it, you know, when is it going to be? How are you going to meet? And the two seconds set that out because presumably the two insulted parties, they're mad enough to try to kill each other. They're going to... They would just start dueling. Yeah, they're not going to be able to negotiate this, so... So is it to the death or to the first draw of blood? Those kinds of things. Yeah, those are the sort of things that you would be in charge. I would, <laughs> and, and I would trust you to negotiate that in my best interest. <laughs> I, I would trust that you wouldn't say, okay, if you win, you get you know his entire bank account. I trust that you would keep that that all on the down low, try to not make it too expensive on me. So, so if I ever see you walking around with some white gloves, I know I better get my affairs in order as well. Or that I've got a you know batch of the Fuentes that come with the white gloves. Oh, <laughs> so, Maybe that's what you're dueling over. That's right. We're, we're dueling for a box. box of cigars. <laughs> but I was just curious. I, I got to thinking about that today. You can tell when I've been drawing a lot because I get to think about things like that. And I just wondered, who would I call to second myself in a duel? Well, and, I would feel honored that I was the person that you thought of. Would you or would you feel like, uh, he's thinking he could stand to lose me? You know, he doesn't want to do it with his bestest friend. <laughs> well, no, because I think... Because I would I would imagine that the likelihood of the second being vanquished and the primary duelist 
remaining is probably fairly slim. That would be a, that would be a fairly slim call. Yeah. So if if you're if I'm going down, we're going down together, and that's I'm fine with that. Okay. Well, good. You're you're a good friend, Trey. <laughs> At all. That, that was just an important piece of information, totally random, that I needed to understand tonight. <laughs> but I, w- I was thinking about that because I thought, you know, how good, if our society, because there's an accountability to having a formal structure for dueling in a society, how different would our society be? I mean, you know, poor Donald Trump would have to fight a duel every, t- every third day. I was but, thinking every third minute, but <laughs> every, every time he might think twice about what he put on Twitter if that was right, the case. Right. Well, <laughs> it, it was such a it was such a part of society that there were, there were actually dueling pistols made, and people had sort of got a little little eloquent, and made sort of trophies out of them. You know, they were very like the pearl handles, like the dueling pistols were kind of were kind of a, a, a presentation piece. Well, wasn't it Andrew Jackson was famous for fighting many duels? Yes. I wonder who was his second. That's, you, you hope it's a vice president, right? You, you would hope. You would think well, it was. Not well, not if you're the, the people. I guess you would kind of hope that if the president dies in a duel, the vice president kind of uh, is still yeah. there. But <laughs> I'd like to second for you, but we got that whole uh, survivor rule. So yeah, exactly. How about you take the chief of military? <laughs> and, the, and the speaker of the house is a real bastard, so <laughs> yeah. we don't want to give it to him. Yeah, why don't, why don't you kind of take the, the head of state or something like that? But I could see that being a viable use for vice president, because goodness knows there is no other viable use for vice presidents. <laughs> well, there, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> we just send them out across. So, let's speak to what equipment, if you are starting a cigar hobby... What are the basic equipment, and then what is the next step equipment you should acquire? Have we not talked about this before? We've talked about it a little bit, but it's been a long time, and I'm certain we've picked up some new listeners since then. Um, we're getting new. I'm not get- challenging your topic. I was just I was racking my brain to try and think if we had talked about this because it's a great topic because it's because it's a little different for everybody. I went years before I ever bought my first lighter. So you so. You would think the basics would be, okay, you want to have a cutter, you want to have a lighter. Mm. And I guess you want the cut. You could go years without the lighter, presumably using matches or... Yeah, I used to keep the center console in my car used to be full of matchbooks from cigar shops and places like that. You know, I, To the point that it was, you know, I probably had two dozen boxes of matches in there at any given point in time. And I was uh, driving in the car smoking one day. And I was trying to light my cigar, and I was already on the road doing like 60, trying to get with the window down and trying to get my cigar lit with matches. And a person riding shotgun was like, why don't you have a lighter? <laughs> I w- and then I won poker like two days later, and back at that shop, it was a gift card. And so I bought a lighter. <laughs> well, that would make one thing. We're not encouraging that you either text while driving or try to use a match to light a 6 by 60 while doing 65 down the interstate with the windows down. 65 is generous, but uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely don't recommend that. That's not to say it doesn't happen quite often. No, for me, it's a cutter because I can always find fire, but you can't find a good cut. You know, a, a, a sharp pocket knife will get you some of the way, but it still doesn't do a great job. You can get one of those plastic cutters. 
for five bucks at any shop. Get a double guillotine straight bladed cutter. Don't get one of the ones, don't get a single blade and don't get one of the ones that also has the V cutter built in. Get one thing that works well. I, I, I highly recommend that. But for, you know, for five bucks, then you've always got a cutter with you. So you get your cutter, you get your lighter. What's the next thing you get? Do you get the humidor or do you get a travel humidor and build up? How do you go? What's your next step? You get a, I'd say you probably, I'd say you get a travel humidor. Because if you're that early in, in your cigar hobby, I'm guessing you're probably not smoking a whole lot of cigars outside of the shop. Certainly not buying boxes yet and, you know, needing to store them and age them and things like that. So either a little five or a 10 travel humidor, you can pick them up for 30 bucks still, I think. And they're rugged as all get out. So you can throw them in your, in your golf bag. You can, you can, mm, I don't recommend it, but you could leave it in your car for a day if you had to without really damaging. And it, you know, carry five or 10 cigars, whatever you're, you're carrying around at the time. I think that's a better way to go than going straight to like a desktop humidor. So I've never had success within the travel humidors. You know, they got the little piece of styrofoam like you stick flower arrangements in in the top that you're supposed to try to keep it humidified with. I've never had luck with that. Have yeah, you? get rid of it. Uh, most companies now that do any type of humidification accessory, Zycar comes to mind immediately, have the little replacements that use the, the crystals. Right. So pop that little little foam thing out it doesn't it's not gonna i mean ideally that little travel humidor your your cigars are going to be rotating frequently enough that really all you need the humidification for in that is just to kind of maintain you know you're not aging you're not anything like that so it just needs to be enough that it'll kind of keep the humidification at a reasonably accurate level well and for the majority of the time here in the south you're actually more trying to keep humidity out than in. Exactly. You know, during the winter when you turn the heat on, they get dry. But during the summer, you're trying to just keep the humidity down. Yeah, absolutely. No, it gets <laughs> it gets so humid here that that really humidity control is is because it can be a little tricky because of how dry it gets in the winter and how humid it gets in the summer. Now, when it's time for you to purchase that desktop humidor, and uh, the the gold standard trick is you put a dollar bill in it and shut it, and if you can pull the dollar bill out, it's not sealing well. Yeah, you should have to really tug on that dollar bill to get it to move. But, see, new humidors that haven't been seasoned, though, could still be a good humidor and not pass the dollar bill trick. No. Uh, I disagree with that. I think the seal, yeah, you're going to get a little bit. Once you season the humidor, that cedar's going to swell a little bit. But if you're starting with a mediocre to bad seal, it's not going to get better with seasoning. Well, and there's a lot of really bad cheap humidors out there. There really are. And that's one of those things that I don't recommend people buy online. No. There's very, very rare. Buy a lighter online. Buy a cutter online. Buy cigars online. Don't buy cigars online. Uh, but <laughs> because I like having brick and mortars to go to, and I would be sad if they all closed up. But a humidor is something that you, it's, it's like a musical instrument or, or you know, something that you need to put your hands on before you buy it. And to be able to do the dollar bill tr- test, to be able to, 
look at the seams. Look, make sure there's no cracks in some of the wood from shipping. You know, there's a lot that can go wrong there. You know, it could be it could be not true when they put the hinge on. So it could maybe have a good seal up front, but not on the left or not on the right. So it's really important to buy that from in person, in my opinion. And it's like, you know, the ones that have the glass, piece of glass in the top, never buy one of those. See, I'm, I feel very strongly about that. I do not like glass in a humidor because by its very nature, it's going to be an escape point for humidity or an entry point, as we pointed out. Yeah, you have, you have the possibility of condensation. You have all of the different things that can occur when you have glass in the humidor. And if you're truly setting it on a desktop, you, you have the potential for light to play an issue because, you know, we think about temperature and humidity, but light can affect a cigar as well. And, you know, if it's in a, 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 a office with a lot of windows or, or somewhere where it's in direct light or direct sunlight, you can affect and damage your cigars from that. So I say stay away from glass, but that's, that's a personal preference. Now, when you go to the case, do you go the three-finger case? Do you go the four-finger case? Do you go all leather? Do you go steel? How do you feel about the, the travel case? You know, I own three or four, nah, probably five or six cases. I can't tell you the last time I carried one of them. I, I don't use them. They're great for the golf bag. Uh, I, I, so for that, I would say go stainless steel over leather because you want something that can stand up to being crushed a little bit or put under pressure from being thrown around a little bit. One that I have or I've got two actually that I really like are stainless steel tubes, probably about two inches in diameter. And they usually have humidification in one end. It's that foam stuff. But again, depending on the size of cigar that you smoke, you could probably only fit two, maybe three cigars in it at a time, but it uh, uses a screw to, to close. So you don't have to worry about pressure or anything like that. And it's got a little hygrometer on one end, which is never accurate, so don't worry about that. But it's stainless steel, so it's going to hold humidity well, and it's going to withstand anything you throw at it. And I got one from Avo at an event one time, and it even has a little Bluetooth speaker in one of the ends. Yeah, I have one of those. I love it. I do, too. I use that speaker all the time. Yeah, I, I use a speaker way more than I actually use the humidor. I do, too. <laughs> But the, um, you know, I've got a couple of the Liga T52 little chrome cases. I got one in front of me right now that I use. Mm -hmm. But the cigars I put in those cases, they're never in those cases more than seven or eight hours maximum. Right. And that's, that's what you should use it for. You know, if you're going out to the golf course or if you're taking something out of your locker to take home to your humidor or whatever, you know, it's, it's more for cigars in transit if you're going out to smoke. You, you, don't want to, you don't want anything to stay in there for very long, which is why I say with that stainless steel tube, don't worry about the, the humidifier or the hygrometer because that's not what you're using it for. Now, one of the handiest things in my kit is my little poker. I have a little cigar poker. You can buy them, um, draw pokers of different kinds, and they, they double. One, if you get a cigar that has a little tight draw, you can run that poker up it and maybe find the knot in the tobacco and knock it out. Yeah. You got to be careful because you can blow out the side of a cigar if you got to push too heavy. You know, it's if it don't fit, don't force it. Rules to live by. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> but the, it double it does double duty because a lot of times when I'm down to the last inch of a cigar and it's been a great cigar and I don't want to throw it away, I'll take that poker and I'll smoke it on down to where it's practically burning my lips. Yeah, and so. 
I used to be a, a pocket knife guy. And I was for a while. And the only reason I'm not currently is just because my favorite pocket knife, the little clip that it would hang on the outside of my pocket broke. And so I just stopped carrying it. But I would use that for the, for the to hold kind of the roach, for lack of a better term, when it gets down to that last bit to be able to get the last, you know, maybe half an inch out of that cigar. Well, and in a bind, you can use a match. Yeah, use two is the key. Because one, if, with just one, it'll spin. So if you use two, it gets you, it, it gives it a little bit more resistance so it won't spin on the end of it. Yeah, it makes it a little easier to catch your cigar. Yeah. So that now, that's a luxury item to me. That's definitely not something I would say, okay, this, you definitely need to have one of these in your cigar kit. What's another good luxury item? Well, since we haven't really talked about it, is the lighter. The lighter is a luxury item to me because any shop you go to, when you buy your cigars, if you ask, they'll give you matches. You know, the companies give matches. A lot of cigar shops actually have their own branded matches. You know, matches are, fire is easy to come by. But if you really want to get to the next level, then I think a lighter is, you're not going to get a good, you can get a good lighter for 20 bucks. But if you really want something that's going to last and be a, a staple of your kit, you're spending at least $40, probably closer to 50 or 60 well, and it's worth it's worth dropping a C note and getting a good lighter. Absolutely, no. It, but you know, talking about it's definitely a luxury item at that point, and it's definitely something that you want to make sure that you're kind of vested in the hobby, because yep. these days you don't really use a lighter for anything else. Well, you know, if you only smoke one cigar a month, you probably don't need the St. Dupont Cadillac lighter. Now, that being said, I know a bunch of guys that carry it just for that because they say, okay, I'm only going to have one a month, so I'm going to be sure I enjoy it. Yeah, or I mean, I was going to go that route as well, which is, you know, if think of all the money you're saving by only smoking once a month versus twice a day like you and I do. Well, and I carry two lighters. I carry two lighters in my kit. I carry my quad jet and I carry my soft flame. And depending on the cigar I'm smoking that day and the condition if I'm lighting it, if I'm going down the road trying to light a cigar, I'm going to use the jet because mm-hmm. it's not going to blow out. The soft flame has more of a tendency to blow out. And I've got a $10 triple jet that stays in my car for just that very reason. You know, I, I very rarely leave the house without my Julius, but if I'm already in the car and the window's down already to let the smoke out, then that soft flame's just not going to be as effective. Well, and a lot of times, especially if I fly... If I'm going to go on a cruise where I know I'm going to smoke a few cigars, you can't carry a lighter on an airplane unless you, you know, get a get an act of Congress. Well, you can carry a soft flame. You just can't carry a jet. However, I paid $125 for my soft flame lighter. I'm not taking that chance. Yeah, I'm not going to try to get convince the TWA person, hey, um, by the way, this is a soft flame. This is This is not a jet. I should be able to. In fact, and I can never remember who it was. It was either Black Label or Vector made one that was really cool a few years ago that had a flint roller on the top. And so when you roll it, it's a soft flame, but there's a little button on the front. It kind of looks like a little link to a bicycle chain. There's a little button, and you push the button, and it turns from a soft into a jet. Really, really cool lighter. I haven't been able to find it in a... 
I've, I've been looking for one for a couple of years, and I, I guess they don't make it anymore, but really great little piece of engineering there. Well, generally what I'll do when I land on my way to the cruise boat, I'm generally going to stop at a cigar shop anyway, mm-hmm. and I'll just pick up a jet to take with me. Yeah. Um, strictly speaking, you're not supposed to take those on cruise boats, but I stick it in my luggage. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's... it's it's worth, to, and I will argue with the cruise boat people all day that my jet lighter is far safer than matches. Oh, absolutely. I mean, far safer than, oh no, you'll have to use matches to light your cigars. Okay, well, then are you going to let me light it indoors? Yeah. I'm going to spend a lot more time and a lot more wood, and I'm going to be creating more combustion than if I just push my button. And if the wind takes it and, you know, light the deck on fire. Exactly, and that's the biggest concern on a cruise ship. Right, absolutely. So, covered a lot of ground tonight. I'm glad to know that I now have a second for my duel. After the show, I'll be challenging the bartender. Dawn tomorrow will work fine for me. Uh, I'm busy. We'll have to move it back to after work. Have to See, that's, that's the purpose of the second. you got to get everybody's schedule in line. That's right. But had a great show tonight. I appreciate everybody listening. And how do you get a hold of us, Trey? So I mentioned it earlier, but absolutely we want to make sure that you guys know how to get a hold of us. Info at thecigarcast.com is our email address. Facebook.com slash thecigarcast and Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. We love hearing from you, your show suggestions, what you like, what we got wrong. Uh, And also, if you've got a few minutes, run on over to the iTunes podcast app or whatever uh, app that you're using and give us a review uh subscribe on itunes subscribe on google play and give us a review um that helps us uh reach more people and helps us know that you guys enjoy what we're doing well thank you everybody for listening and until next week have a good cigar and think well of us 